0: Hold that please Level 5 Thank you Ah you must be one of our new interns
1: Yeah hi Nice to meet you
0: Hi Now the most important thing to know Is to Ertz in the bypassal Rise plug sale
1: The most important thing is what? Sorry
0: The single most important thing Is to Ertz in the Channelized Bingbingus At the bypassal Rise plug sale And you'll be fine
1: Err uh, yeah That sounds important Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense. LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside Double Ashes winner Steve Harnison looking back at every day of the Test summer. Day two of the second Test between England and New Zealand at Edgbaston has just come to a close. Another fascinating day's play but one which sees New Zealand firmly ahead. Plenty to discuss in the show so let's get on with things. You're listening to Following So, if you're listening to the uh, podcast, you probably know by now, England were bowled out just before midday for 303. Mark Wood throwing the bat around with a wild abandon. Dan Lawrence ending up unbeaten on 81. And when Tom Latham was dismissed early on. um, And for those of you who listened to Harmy's prediction, by the way, uh, yesterday... Um, it, it did look like he was going to get absolutely spot on with England going past 300 and New Zealand two down before lunch um, and if uh, the uh, umpires had agreed with Stuart Broad and the England fielders, that's exactly what would have happened but Devon Conway was uh, reprieved on 22 and he went to score 80, a wicketless session in the afternoon, Will Young dropped on seven, uh, he was last man out, lost, uh, out in the last over of day for 82, so New Zealand in a more than healthy position, trailing by just 74 runs on first innings. So plenty of work to be done for England. Right. Myself and Harmy, let's get on with it with Story of the Day. Story of the Day. So, Harmy, Story of the Day. Well, let's start first off with something that possibly could go in moment of the day. But uh, there was a lot of conversation about a decision that was made that went the way of New Zealand. Devon Conway. Edging to third slip, Zach Crawley uh, took what uh, the English contingent thought was a fine catch. Uh, The umpires disagreed. The soft signal uh, was not out. And that really gave the third umpire nowhere to go, I I believe. I don't think there are too many people um, thinking that uh, the on-field call should have been overturned. But where are you on that? Was that a catch by Zach Crawley? Or um,
0: uh, did it bounce, essentially? No, I thought it was a catch. I really did. I thought in real time, I was sitting um, behind it. We were sitting on the balcony watching it. And then when you've seen it on slow motion, the umpire gave the third umpire nowhere to go. He had to make the decision. I've got no problem with the decision. The problem, the decision that the third umpire made was correct. And it sounds contradicting because I think it was out. But when you give, when you give a soft signal and the soft signal is, it's what the umpire on the field thinks. It's like VR. If you, if, you don't, if, you, if you think it's out, you give it a finger. If you don't think it's out, you give it not out. It's what you think on the field. So you've got to be 100% sure as a third umpire that you, he's got it wrong. And I don't think Michael Goff could overrule Richard Kettleborough by saying I categorically believe that is wrong. You might have thought, you know what? I think he's got his fingers underneath it, but I can't be 100% sure. So you have to go with the on-field umpire. was given not out. So the third umpire made the right decision. I'm just not sure on the field was made, the decision was made right. I've been in that situation before, feeling that slip, ball comes in low. You, you know you've got, it's the same as when a, a bump ball. You know it's a bump ball and you know when you get your fingers underneath it. Zach Crawley will be devastated. He'll be thinking, everything's against me in this game. I'm having a shocker a little bit with a bat. I get a catch, a good catch, diving forward and it doesn't go my way. You he, he must just think the world's against him and it's almost... Yeah, I'm so almost England because I thought that was a yeah, a pretty legitimate catch. But hey, you know, you've you made the chance. England maybe feel sorry for themselves, and uh, New Zealand definitely benefited from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know, there were more than one moment in the day. There was another moment involving a catch. Will Young being put down by Joe Root went on seven, and he went on as well. Conway went on to score 80, and Will Young was last man out for 82. So that was a punishing moment as well. Not just for the team, but Ollie Stone as well, back in the side, keen to make an impression. That was in his first spell. He was bowling really nicely. was certainly giving Will Young all sorts of trouble. Um, Again, a big moment that went against England. Uh, But you can't blame the umpires for that one.
0: No, you can't. You can't blame And I think possibly Joe had a lot going on in his mind. Not got a spinner. Am I going to have to bowl? You know, the wind. And and this is something else we haven't picked up on. The wind was hellish today. It was really, really strong and it was a crosswind. And it was, it was going, if you're watching from the pavilion end, it was going off your screen. It was going from left to right. So Anderson started at the, at the opposite end from the pavilion. And you could see he wasn't comfortable. He come back to the, the pavilion end, which was going to take the ball away naturally naturally take the ball away from, from the left hander. And that is a very difficult win to captain because you've got four bowlers who want to bowl at one end. All four seamers want to bowl at one end. And if you haven't got a spinner, I a recognised spinner, I can just hold the game for you. And I think that might be in Joe's mind. Um, but he, he put down a, a catch. He would be, he'd be kicking himself. He's thinking, I, I should have caught that. Ollie Stone, you know what? I thought the kid bowled really, really well. He first did, first up, first six, seven overs. I thought he was excellent. I thought they were all excellent. I thought England bowled brilliant. I thought it was a spell of bowling. Stuart Broad will come off and say, I bowled, I bowled ten times worse than that and got five for. Um, and he was he was exceptional as well. So it was a, it was a it was a difficult chance. It, it it was a difficult moment. Sorry, at a difficult time in the game, where if he takes that, you think England could just go through bang bang and get three or four wickets, and it's a completely different context in the game. But you know, Ollie Stone didn't get any wickets. He bowled. He got expensive in the second spell. But I thought that was searching for, wik- searching for wickets. Sometimes as a bowler, when you're bowling quickly, ball goes to the boundary. If you're not quite there, when you're trying to just, just get the outside edge by bowling a little bit fuller or going with a short ball, and it was, uh, it just comes with experience that does for, for young stone. But he shouldn't beat himself up. I thought he bowled really, really well. But if England take that chance, it's a completely different game because the way Broad bowled, a new batsman coming in, we've seen how Ross Taylor played. He batted beautifully. But there was a time when Stuart Broad was bowling. him. I thought Ross I thought ross Taylor had roller skates on. He was all yeah. over the shot. But he showed his experience and got through it. And that's a message to the England top order. Earn the right to score runs. And experienced players just showed you not always, you know, sixes and fours and everything's going rosy in the garden. People are allowed to bowl well at you. And he deserved his—he deserved to be there at the end of the day. I mean, I love
1: cricket. I mean, sometimes it looks impossible to get a batsman out. And then at times it looks mm. impossible for a batsman to, to get the ball um, off the square. I mean, this is the, uh, the, the, the topsy-turvy nature of the game. But, you know, I looked at the clock. It was about f- 20 past four, I think. And Stuart Broad was beating Ross Taylor pretty much every single delivery in, you just looked, England were 200 ahead, basically, and maybe 190. And if you'd have told me that two and a half hours from then, the only wicket that would have fallen uh, would have been uh, Will Young going to the part-time off-spin of Dan Lawrence, I wouldn't have believed you. But hmm. that's exactly how this game panned out. And that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. But credit must go to New Zealand as well, because Will Young survived a pretty torrid examination at the start as well, didn't he? And he, he battled through. I think he probably played 45, 50 deliveries by the time, and he'd only scored seven or eight. Um, but then, as with cricket, it was a flatter pitch, the conditions eased. the batsman's mind and technique stopped working in harmony. Um, the crowd just started to quieten a little bit, and it became a bat- batsman's game again. And I, I think it was a fascinating day's play. for so England bowled well um for much of it, but it's a good track. New Zealand knew if they could just get through those tough moments, it will come back again to, to them. I thought they batted marvelously well. And if they do the same thing tomorrow, then they will bat England out this game.
0: Absolutely. I think it's been a fantastic advert for Test match cricket. Crowds back in where the pandemic's gonna kick the can down the road and we're not gonna have 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 supporters in. And if the 21st of June comes and we get moved further down the line this this test match has been brilliant the fans yesterday the noise they made yesterday was ridiculous all the standards there and you mentioned it quietened them it did because it was New Zealand batted well and the test match the test match standard apart from England's top order has been brilliant throughout this, this test match New Zealand's bowled well New Zealand's batted well I thought England bowled very well Broad and Anderson fantastic first up Wood and Stone Kian and they earned the right and I've said this many times, I keep saying this to any, any young player that wants to, wants to play sport at the highest level, you have to earn the right and you also have to be aware that the opposition have good passages and good times in the game. The difference between the good and the great are the ones that when you're playing against somebody who has a good time in the game or a good passage in the game, you can absorb the game, you can stay in the game, you can hold it, you cannot sort of you know, fall by the wayside and then come out firing later on. And that's what New Zealand did. That's what Ross Taylor did. That's what Will Young did. We've also got to remember, you know, the, the, we've had players and we look after players and we're trying to get the best for our IPL players to get them playing cricket again. There's no coincidence here that Stuart Broad and everybody I've spoke to, again, I was with Jonathan Trott this morning. I spoke to Ian Bell yesterday. We've had on the Cricket Collective, we've had Joe Clark. Um, we've had a lot of people talk about how Stuart, Luke, Luke Fletcher, how Stuart Broads bowled in the last five, six weeks for nuts? No coincidence that the kid hits the ground running and bowls the way he did. 15 overs, two for 27. That's two for 22. Absolutely magnificent. You flip that over, you've got Will Young, two back-to-back hundreds at Durham. You know, you've got to earn the right and you've got to be prepared, ready for test match. Uh, New Zealand have chopped and changed. The one guy that they brought in has played cricket in England and he's played some good cricket in England and he's got runs under his belt. Look at Stuart Broad the way he's bowled. He's been magnificent, and that's no coincidence that they've both played quite a bit of cricket leading into a Test match. They're up to Test match standards. I think it's been a fan- fantastic advert for Test match cricket. Apart from England's top order batsmen.
1: Moment of the day. Well, we've discussed many of the moments uh, of the day, and we we're going to discuss another moment uh, as part of our Life Out Loud moment of the day. Um... But there was also one moment towards the end of the day which I just want to talk to you about because Dan Lawrence, um, going back to what we've been talking about, you know, start the innings, uh, the first 20 balls I think Brian Lara used to give to the bats to the bowler, and then he was in. Now, Dan Lawrence, of course, is no Brian Lara, but uh, all over the place at the start of his innings, much like Zach Crawley, much like James Bracey, but... Ross Taylor. Ross and, and Ross Taylor, and quite a few of them actually... But all over the place. Um, but Ross Taylor knows his game better than mm. than, Dan, than Dan Lawrence. But all over the place. But as the mind and uh, the technique started to work in harmony, uh, the confidence started to come. All the noise probably just started to quiet and got in control and got better understanding of his spatial awareness. He grew into the innings. Um, and ended up unbeaten with 81, right? So, fine knock uh, for Dan Lawrence. But what about his bowling? As a moment of the day, um, and it would have been a moment in Joe Root's mind that he didn't have a frontline spinner because he himself was quite expensive actually when he bowled Root. Um, do you think that Dan Lawrence actually comes just another notch nearer the reckoning because he can
0: actually bowl? Yeah, it, it's a, if you've got these people up your sleeve, it's like, you my time you had Paul Collingwood, and if it's not happening, you just give Collie four or five overs, bowl a few cutters, and it, they're, good, they're good to have. If you've got bowler, the batsman who can bowl a bit, and it's not going to have a de- detriment effect to his body, that's my worry about this four-man attack and having Joe Root bowling 13 overs, potentially bowling 30 overs in a test match. He's got a bad. He's got a bad back. His tin not great. If Joe's gonna have to bowl too much, all of a sudden that might have an adverse effect on his batting. It's the same with Lawrence. If Lawrence can bowl you, yeah. and one thing about Lawrence is he's a tall man, six foot. I would imagine he's about six foot four, six foot five, and he uses his height as, a, as an off spinner. It's like a Roger Harper type off spinner, West Indian, great West Indian off spinner. And he he, he bowls. He's six, six foot five, but he uses his height. He steers high, so any sort of bounce and purchase, and like we're seeing with the wicket. The ball was outside of stump, miles outside of stump, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think William would be de- he be disappointed that he's gone all the way out there, but because he's because he's out there, it's just bounced a little bit, took the inside edge of the glove off the glove, and it's gone straight to straight to Wally Pope. If you've got players like that, then it can only benefit your bowling attack because you can give your your fast lads a little bit of a rest. But to have somebody full-time bowl and spin, I think that's very, very important. Where does Dan Lawrence fit in? Does he challenge now? Number three spot. Everybody knows my opinion. I think Joe Root, if he bats three, the, the order is easier for to fit the younger players in. But it's never going to happen. So somebody's going to have to possibly bat three or challenge Zach Crawley at three. Does Pope go to three, Lawrence to five? Stokes six, where I want him, because he's all-rounder. Then Butler the seven. But I think Dan Lawrence, the way he's played and he's, he's conducting himself in this game and leading into the game, and County Cricket got runs under his belt. Um, I think he's saying to the selectors, look, you can't drop me here. Yeah? You can't drop me. I'm 81, not out. Whether he's got wickets or not. He looked very, very accomplished, very, very comfortable once he got in and got set. Um, and we can't leave bats. We're only getting 300. We're not even, well, we're not, we're not consistently, excuse me, speak, not consistently getting 300. If we could leave a batsman out of the top six, against 81 of them, then we must have a decent batting unit. We haven't. So if you're getting runs, he has to stay in. Where he steers, he possibly has to challenge it. number three with, um, with, with, with Zach Crawley. Is that the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? I'm not exactly sure he's, he's meant for test cricket at three, but if that's the only spot he's got and he wants to get a volume or a bag of runs is, uh, is going to go well in his favour. LOL OF THE DAY
1: Life out loud moment of the day. where well, the Kiwis weren't laughing, but Mark Wood came in and uh, you were there. Give us an idea of what the atmosphere was like at Edgbaston when uh, Mark Wood was uh, throwing the bat around and advancing from 16 not
0: out overnight to 41. It's fantastic! It was brilliant to watch. It's so frustrating from a bowler because you just uh, after a while you just want to kill him. You just want to bowl at his head. That so, right? I pitched it up. He's hit me for four. I bowl at the stumps. B- the batsman will be saying at slip and going, "Will you just bowl at the stumps?" And yeah. You bowl it top of off, and well, I am, and he's hit me for four. So I'm now going to have to try and bowl at his head, and he's uppercutting for four. There was one shot through extra cover, and I was actually, so I was standing in the in the, on the balcony with with Jonathan Trott, England, one of England's great greatest number threes. um, and I, and this shot, extra cover, and I was like applauding, great shot, Dan Lawrence, and realised it was Mark Wood. It was a fantastic shot. It was a played by a batsman. Um, but Woody's Woody's got something with the bat he always has, even since he was ten year old. He could bat. He's just a bit like Goffy. If he hits one four, he really he feels as though he's got to hit every ball for four, um, and that's why uh, sometimes he's he's a bit hit or miss. But you know, don't take you know he's he's, he's for me he's a number he's a he's a good number nine, um, jack in the box. But he got the crowd going got the crowd going. The crowd were brilliant today and largely down to the start that Mark Wood give them. And when he came back with the ball, it just gave him a little bit of interest. He bowled quickly. Um, and sometimes that happens. If you get a few runs with the bat, it gives you a bit of confidence with the ball. England needed it. What is going to happen tomorrow? OK, Harmony, you were nearly absolutely bang on with your prediction for
1: day two. Um, England did go past 300. Uh, Mark Wood just st- did stick around. And uh, if that Conway catch had been... Uh, gone England's way you would have seen New Zealand two down that's exactly what you said would happen but of course uh, well you know you'd be a you'd be a very 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 rich man if you could get it completely bang on every time uh, as opposed to just a very very rich man Um, okay day three how
0: do you see it going I see England coming out bowling as well as they did yesterday and uh, after today, and they can't have that much luck go against them an early wicket and England could bowl. I'd be looking to bowl New Zealand out for around about 350. They have to. Can't see any more than a 45, 50 run lead. And then I think it's game over. I don't think England. If New Zealand gets somewhere near 400, so I can see England having a good blast in the morning. Broad and Anderson, overhead conditions. The only thing the weather forecast is, it's going to be boiling hot. It's going to be red hot. And if it's flat and it's red hot, if England don't get early wickets, New Zealand could back them out of the game. But I'm going to back my boys. I'm going to back Broad Anderson to come out strong first up. Um, and then Wood and Stone to, to have a good go. Two, three, four wickets in and before lunch. Uh, and bowl New Zealand out for 350. And, and England be in a position. It's now or never for a few of their players. You know, Sibley got 50 at Lords. Got a start here. Burns has got a few runs. He's in a bit of nick. Crawley's desperate for, a, for for some runs. So is the captain. So is Pope. They're playing for the players. Some of them are playing for their places. And when you get that, good players get to that point. I'm talking about Pope here. I'm talking about Sibley here. And I'm talking about Crawley. You know, the good players stand up. So I expect them to stand up in this second end. If it's good weather, it, when the pitch is flat, the sun's shining. So England to come back strong. And it'd be around about, wow, 160, 180 for three at the end of the day. There's my prediction
1: brilliant stuff well we'll find out uh, just how right or wrong Harmi gets it uh, you'll be listening to the following on podcast uh, please subscribe review on Acast uh, via the TalkSport app Apple Podcasts uh, the usual providers uh, we will be back following day three at Edgeburston to see just how this match continues